Welcome to the Lord's house today. We're glad that you are here, and we pray that the Lord will bless us, meeting with us by His presence and help in our worship. We're going to begin with number 85, hymn 85, now in a song of grateful praise to Thee, O Lord, my voice I'll raise. So on this particular hymn, we are going to sing the chorus after verses 1 and 4. Uh, So let's please stand as we worship the Lord today. pause there for just a moment because I take it this tune is not known just so well and uh, we don't want to let that hinder our praise to the Lord. The words are very precious and important. The words of the final verse, and when to that bright world I rise and join the anthems of the skies, above the rest this note shall swell that my Jesus hath done all things well. The encouragement for the child of God to know is this, that in the many twists and turns and upsetting things of this life, there's one thing that we can bank on, one thing that we can be certain in, and it's this, that we know that our God is in control of all things. We know that He is our sovereign Lord and that Christ can make no mistake There is no sin in Him. Everything He puts His hand to, everything our Lord intends, will come to pass. And we can rejoice today in that great truth that our Lord Jesus does all things well. So we have a handle on the tune now. Let's lift our voices and enter into praise on this final stanza.
Please be seated. Now let's still our hearts before the Lord and commit our service to Him in prayer. And as we do that today, we want to remember a couple of important things we do remember in prayer. Dr. McClellan is still in hospital and uh, awaiting a procedure, has to be transferred to another hospital for that. Um, But we want to hold up our brother before the Lord this morning in prayer. And then a very serious matter. We've all been following, I'm sure, the wildfires taking place in British Columbia. And we got news that Reverend Andy Foster, uh, they had to be evacuated from their home and they have moved into the church building and have opened up the doors of the church building to other neighbors and anyone else who might need accommodation. So the church is right in the town of Penticton. Their house is somewhat outside of that area. So everything's a little bit up in the air now for them, and we want to remember not only our brother and his family, their congregation, but also those other folks that have been uh, forced to leave their homes. And we've seen quite a lot of these wildfires happening in our own province in Quebec. We went through some of that already this summer and other places in the world that are being affected by this. But let's remember the believers, the Christians, the Church of Christ, that this opportunity presented to them, they'll be kept safe but they will also be able to show the love of the Lord to others that they come in contact with. Let's bow before the Lord, please, now in prayer. Father, we come this morning in the precious name of our Lord Jesus with thankful hearts and with praise upon our lips, Lord, for all that You have done for us. We know that Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Heavenly Father. And we are thankful today for whatever measure of health and strength that has been given to us. We are thankful, Lord, and we lift our praises and our worship. We're thankful for all the temporal mercies and blessings we have every single day. And Lord, we've been given the privilege to come once more on the Lord's Day to the house of prayer and praise. And we have, from many different walks of life, many different circumstances, we can say that we have been preserved, we've been helped, we've been given grace and kindness and mercy. And Father, on top of all of these things, we have received so graciously and mercifully salvation that we did not deserve. Our souls in Christ have been delivered from hell, and we have a home in glory that we look forward to. And Father, we ask today that our hearts would be lifted with eternal praise and thanksgiving for what we have received. And Father, we are mindful today of those that are very near death. We pray for Reverend Bodner this morning to bless him. We think of those who are sick in hospital. We pray for Dr. McClellan today that your hand would be upon him, that you would bless and strengthen him. We think of our sister Anna 
and also Isabel. And bless them. We pray for Serene. We ask, Lord, for those that, though weak in their body, yet they have desired to be in the house of God. And Lord, you have blessed them to be here with us today. Encourage their hearts and strengthen them. And there may be, Lord, many needs that are not physical, but mental or emotional or spiritual. And therefore, we commit every one of these into your hand. And Lord, we all stand in need of spiritual refreshment, of these blessing of the Holy Ghost upon us. And we're asking today that the Word of God would be open to strengthen and encourage and bless us in every testimony, every witness, every time we have occasion to share our faith. Lord, let us do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us be those messengers and servants and witnesses and lights in a dark time and age. Father, we do remember today the Foster family in Penticton. And we pray, Lord, that you would keep them safe and you would bless their testimony and witness to the community, especially at this time. Give our brother great grace and to his wife and family, their congregation in Penticton, and bless them. Remember every believer, and Lord, keep them safe and watch over them in this time of peril and difficulty. Lord, we know that these times, these strange times and things that are happening in nature, the world does not know where to look. We're thankful, Lord, we can rest in a sovereign God who is in control of all these matters and things. And Lord, help us, we pray, to understand and see that perhaps these things are but an introduction to these things predicted in the book of Revelation, drawing near to the end of this world. And Lord, I pray that we will be about the Master's business, that You would help us as those who are children of grace and those who have been born again of the Spirit of God to be a light and a witness to our neighbors and friends and family. Father, use us to that end, we pray. So we are are thankful, Lord, for again Your mercies to us. Bless us on this day. Bless all who are faithfully preaching and witnessing of the gospel of Christ. And we ask, Lord, there would be a great in-gathering today that many souls will come to Christ. And to this end, we ask that in our very service today, those that are present with us that do not know the Lord Jesus, this would be the day of their salvation. Those watching our service online, Father, bless, we pray, Hear us now. Encourage us as we continue in our worship. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to continue, please, in our worship by singing Psalm 63. Psalm 63. These are found at the back of our hymn book or also on the screen behind me. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
Let's turn, please, for our Bible reading this morning, for our congregational reading to the book of Philippians, chapter, actually, the book of Romans, book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans 8, we're going to read the first nine verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the, the carnal mind is enmity, hatred against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his." The Lord add His own blessing to His Word today, and I believe the clarity that the Holy Spirit is speaking about here through this portion of the Word, it's quite simply this. If you are born again of God's Spirit, if you are saved by His grace, then you are a follower of Christ. You are in the Spirit. And if that is the case, then we are walking in the Spirit. We are following a different course than when we were unsaved. And that really is the whole story and account of the Bible. Man was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and God made a remedy. He made a way. And that way was through the offering of His only begotten Son, and when Christ came to die on a cross for my sin, for your sin, and He washed that sin away, thank God today we know that the Holy Spirit abides within us and we are His children. And that is a great and everlasting mercy which we have received 
from His hand today. So rejoice, believer, if you are saved today. And friend, if you're not, then the Lord bids you call upon Christ to be saved for time and for all eternity. Welcome to our morning worship service today. We are very glad that you are here in person. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, maybe you've come back again. You are very, very welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we don't want to forget those who are viewing our service through the internet connection today. You are also very, very welcome. It's a great joy to have with us David and Nancy Moorhead, uh, Stephen's parents, and we're very thankful that they're back with us again. We were just recounting, they're staying with us in our home over the weekend. We were just recounting the last time they were here, and it goes back to the time just before Esther and Steve moved down to North Carolina to take up a new residence. We're very happy that they're back with us, and we can have fellowship with them in the gospel today. So you folks are, we trust the Lord would bless you and encourage your heart with us. And if I don't have your name, you're with us this morning, but you've returned again, you're very, very welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we trust His blessing will be upon you today, and you will be encouraged in the Word. Let's continue to remember in prayer the Fosters in Penticton, as I mentioned to you. And also, please pray for uh, Dr. McClellan, and not to forget others who are sick in our congregation. And remembering Reverend, uh, Reverend Bodner as he is in hospital and very near death at this time, that the Lord will be with him and encourage him. We said farewell this past Wednesday to the Schultz family and Thursday to Mickey and Abby. They had one day difference in their flight back to the Czech Republic. We enjoyed three weeks of them being in our home and the time of fellowship we had here with them and the various ministries and opportunities they had to witness and minister. So do continue to pray for them as they've returned to their charge and to their work that God's hand of blessing would be upon them. Let's continue to pray also for the young adult conference that we have had, that the word of God that was ministered by Brother Andrew Simpson, that there would yet be a harvest, a blessing, encouragement to all who were able to attend those meetings. Please remember our services today at 5.50. We have our pre-service prayer time, and then at 6.30, the Word of God again in our evening worship service. And this coming Wednesday, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and our brother Daniel Simon will be taking the prayer meeting this Wednesday. Next Lord's Day, an advance announcement, the morning worship service at the same time. Oh, by the way, let me not forget about today is the children's church. The boys and girls will be going downstairs today uh, just after the singing of the next hymn, and that's for that summertime, three different services we have for children's church. Sunday school will start again the first Lord's Day after Labor Day. And we're looking forward uh, to that time where we can have the Sunday school and Bible classes recommencing again. Next Lord's Day evening, 
August the 27th will be a sending service for uh, Brother Frank DiDerno as he and his family head to Fredericton to uh, assume the ministry there in that church. And so we want to have a, a nice service of sending them forward with our prayers. And our brother is going to be here next Lord's Day evening with his wife giving testimony and giving the Word of God to us. Then we have fellowship time after the evening service on next Lord's Day. So do please remember those things in your prayers. One thing we must not forget to pray for, and that is Whitfield Christian Schools, our ministry that will be recommencing soon. And we want to hold up this vital work before God, that He will keep His hand upon the staff members, the administration, the students, our whole work, that it will be not only a witness and a testimony on the inside to all of the students and parents, but that it will be a larger witness to the community and to those around us as well. The Lord will make use of us in this way. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 429. 429. It is to a tune that we will know well, deep harmony. So let's stand as we sing this together.
be seated. I invite you to turn, please, in your Bibles now to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 3. book of Philippians, chapter 3. Just before we start to read this, I'm going to ask those gentlemen in the sound room to turn those fans down just a little bit, because it might blow the pastor's hair all over the place. We wouldn't want that to happen. It'll keep you cool, but... Uh, they're a little bit noisy. Turn them down just a couple of notches, and uh, we'll not let them distract us at all. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we have Your Word open now, we pray for understanding 
by the Holy Spirit and application of Thy Word to our hearts. Teach us, Lord, we pray, that we might grow in grace, we might learn more of our Savior, that our lives will be conformed to Him, and that we will be a testimony in our generation. Father, speak today to any who are unsaved, any who are not born again. They don't know Christ as their own. They might come to taste and see that He is good. Hear our prayers. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I want to think today in our services simply on the title of the subject of being in Christ. What does that mean, being in Christ? And what does it look like in our lives? I wonder, believer, do you ever wonder what impact your Christian life is having on others? Do people even know that we are believers in Christ? Well, the Scripture exhorts us all to let our lights shine, let our words be true, our actions genuine, let our dealings be honest, let our motives be pure, and of course, that we should not boast in what we have as if we have it because of something that is good or great in us. There is nothing good or great in us. Paul said that he boasted in nothing but Christ and Him crucified. He saw that all he was spiritually and everything he was enabled to do physically was due to God's grace in him. And even though in times of his greatest weakness, it was then that he knew the strength of the Lord upon him. And that any goodness that was in Paul, it was not because of him, but it was in spite of him. And it was that which he possessed through Christ. This comes out in Philippians chapter 3. And it actually flowed from the warning that Paul gave to the Philippians to beware of evil men motivated by Satan, who were working to overthrow the gospel and their faith and to destroy the work of God and the people of God. But in this rare accounting of Paul's resume, if we could put it that way, from verses 5 to 8, Paul lists all the accomplishments that he used to boast in, and along with many of his countrymen, and they still did, He had all that could recommend him as a righteous man, as a religious man, as a devoted follower of God. He had it all. He held much stock in that when he was unsaved. It was everything to him. It was his boast. It gave him place in the synagogue and in the high offices 
and among those who were leaders in the nation. It gave him kind of an inner reason for justifying himself before God as worthy of getting to heaven. And what Paul boasted in of his religious resume, it's what a lot of people boast in today as to why they are good enough that God would receive them into heaven one day. They look at themselves, they look at what they do, they look where they've come from, they look at their heritage, they look at all the greatness that they have done deep inside, and they would say, well, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than others, and I'm well suited enough for heaven, because God's going to look upon my good works and all that I have amassed for Him. All of my spiritual resume looks great on paper, And that's what Paul used to think. It looked great on paper. And yet, he said it all amounted to a pile of excrement. I'm sure that some of you have seen or had to make use of a portable toilet before. Not long ago, We were in a remote campsite, and I had to make use of one of those portable toilets. Well, you open the door, and you step in, and if the smell did not turn your stomach, the sight surely would before long. Flies everywhere, all kinds of nastiness. It's a vivid picture. My dear friends, as I was there and observed with my own eyesight and my own senses, it brought to my mind what Paul is saying here. He said, everything that I could put down on paper that would come to my mind and heart of what would recommend me to God, all of my righteous things, It amassed to nothing more than opening the door, going into one of those despicable toilets that had never been cleaned for I don't know how long, and the sight was disgusting. And my friends, that's what our righteousness is before God. Totally stomach-turning and disgusting. The contrast between what Paul was before he came to know Jesus and what he was now as a saved sinner was so vast that he used this illustration to prove the point. Everything else that a person may have in this life if they have not the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Savior, it is worse than nothing because it is a sinful and despicable everything. Friend, think about it today. I want to examine this contrast of what it means to be in Christ or out of Christ And I want to stress to all every believer 
what we have in the Lord and our high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And friend, if you're not a believer today, then please listen very carefully to the Word of God. The first thought is this. In Christ, this describes our union with God. This describes our union. Look, please, in verse 9. Paul said, and that I am found in Him, not having my own righteousness. To be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, this describes for us the very first point of a union that we have with our Lord Jesus Christ. The translation that we have in our version of be found, he said be found in Him, that word be found comes from the Greek verb I find. But it's not something casual that you might just be, you know, looking down the road, oh, I found this or I found that. It's much more important than that because it describes the elation of finding a treasure. It expresses a new discovery that you have come across. And actually, our word eureka comes from that verb. And so, when we think about the expression, Eureka, I have found it, you've been searching for something. You've, been, you've come across a great discovery. And that's what this word is that Paul uses. To be found in Him. He ties this word to His relationship in Christ. The day He was saved. The day He was taken out of his sin, and he was placed on the rock of his salvation. This was the time when Paul was brought into a living union with Jesus Christ. He uses the term, he is one Christ in the previous verse and last phrase, to win Christ. It was to be born again of the Holy Spirit to receive the gift of eternal life. And so, to be found in Christ, it was no accident. It wasn't something of a chance happening. No, no. It was the day when the Holy Spirit brought conviction of sin to Paul's heart. When the Holy Spirit revealed to him who Jesus really was. And you will know the account of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when Christ appeared to him. And he found at that moment that pearl of great price. But it wasn't so much that Paul found Christ. No, no. It was that Christ found Paul. 
And that's the great gospel message of grace. Because, friends, it's not us seeking after the Lord, because in our deadness and in our corruption and our sin, we are not seeking after God, but it is God who is seeking after us. And when the Holy Spirit revealed and opened the eyes of Paul and led him to faith in Christ Jesus, what did Paul find or receive at that moment? It was the pearl of great price. And Paul knew then that Christ had found him. And he was saved. And he was positioned in the family of God. He now had a relationship with Jesus and he realized that it was nothing of himself but all of sovereign grace. Friends, if we are, if we are ever going to be saved, it is by God's grace that opens our eyes and opens our heart and leads us to the Lord Jesus, to the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And when we get to glory, we will look back and we will say, it is not of me, it was not of my intellect, it was not of my upbringing, it wasn't of my righteous things, it was all and only of God's grace in this sinner's heart and life. To be in Christ is an expression that is full of the deepest meaning. It speaks of being in union with God, the very Creator of all things. To be joined to the Son of God in our mind, in our heart, in our being. And that cannot be fully described or explained. But once you have been brought to that experience, you know what it is to be saved. You know what it is, friend, to be unified with Christ as your living Savior and Redeemer. Regeneration is what it's called. And regeneration, it changes the state of a person from being dead in trespasses and sins and now being alive in soul and spirit through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And what does He do? He applies, or the word is He imputes, the righteousness of Jesus Christ to this sinner's life. Christ died on the cross to bear my sin away, and the Lord Jesus is alive today and lives in the power of an endless life. And His perfect, righteous obedience to God's law has been applied to me. And so now, not only have I been forgiven of sins I never could have paid for, but I've been given a righteousness that I never could have attained. And today, I am in union with Christ and that means that I am alive in Him. And friends, it means that God in heaven has made a declaration. It has been a 
a legal declaration that I am now guiltless. My sins have been removed, and they are not on my account anymore. I am free. And this is a perfect righteousness that I now possess. And it has all come about. This transaction is a transaction of grace. And it was by the means of God's love and mercy to an undeserving sinner. Friends, this union, it is not something that is man-made, but it is God-created. This union has nothing to do with man's ability. I cannot work to obtain it. It's not through my heritage, not through my upbringing, my religion, my education, my intelligence, as little as it is, or in some people's cases, much greater, but it's not to do with any of those things. This union is the result of sovereign grace alone. This union, my friends, once it has been granted, it cannot be reversed. It cannot be changed. And that means that I cannot lose my salvation. If I have been born of the Holy Spirit, if Christ's righteousness has been applied to me and I have been forgiven of my sin, that transaction is a divine transaction. And that's not something that I can, because of some human weakness, lose or human will reverse. No, it is God's grace and His work in me. And so today, I am thankful because I have my fainting fits. I have my times of weakness and doubting. I have my times of uncertainty. And if every time I had a day or a moment, am I saved really or not? Am I going to lose my salvation and then hope to regain it again by some other moment of spiritual clarity? No, friend. Once God has done that work in us, it is done forever. It is done eternally. And it cannot be reversed. And I'll tell you something else. This union cannot be improved upon. You can't think that, well, sometime down the road, my justification will be a little bit better than it was when I was first saved. No, because God's work is not improved upon. What Jesus did on the cross was full, it was final, and it's free. And today, ah, friends, once we are found in Christ, we will never be out of Christ. It is a divine union that cannot be detached or dissolved. It is everlasting. That gives us hope, doesn't it? <laughs> when you're having a bad day, when you're going through a rough time, you just bring yourself back to that foundation and truth of Philippians chapter 3 and what Paul is saying. I am found in Christ. Eureka! God found me and I have received that gift and I will be able to say that I am found in Him. 
in a perfect union. And how is this obtained? Well, Paul answers that question also in verse 9. Look what he says. He said, I am found in him not having mine own righteousness, but it is through the righteousness which is of God through faith. And that enables us by the very gift of faith to believe in Him and to receive that gift that He has given. And by God's grace and through that gift of faith, He enables us to believe and receive what God has freely given. Friend, I ask you today, are you in union with Christ? Are you in Him? Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? Acts 16.31 gives us very clearly this word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is the promise that the Lord has given to us. Second, to know Christ. This is communion. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 10. Paul says, that I may know Him. That I may know Him. The, the change that takes place in salvation is, well, dramatic. And how dramatic is it? Well, it's as dramatic as a person being dead, and now they're alive. It's as dramatic as a person being blind, and now they have full 20-20 vision. Dramatic change that takes place when a person has been taken out of the darkness and blindness and deadness of their sin and been brought into the stark reality of light. So what changes? Well, everything changes when you think about it because our thinking changes. Our desires change. Our motives change. Our lifestyle changes. Our, our habits and this is to say nothing of the peace, the peace of heart and mind that God's presence brings to life. We are new creations, as Paul said to the Corinthians. And where once our hearts burned with lust and evil and sin, and we delighted in those things, but now in Christ our hearts are changed and we have a burning love for Him, for His Word. And our love for the Lord Jesus, it's not something synthetic because synthetic love only gives evidence that there's no reality of true life. We don't want something synthetic when it comes to our Lord. It is the deep feeling and expression of the soul toward Him. Most difficult to describe and to explain. And our complaint, is it not, believer, our complaint is that so often our love for the Lord seems to be very low and it's not what it should be. 
But yet we also know that Christ knows our hearts. And as Peter said to him, as the Lord questioned him, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know my heart. You know that I love you. And that's where we are. Horatius Bonner, in his hymn, he wrote these words, My love is oft times low. My joy still ebbs and flows back and forth, but peace with Him remains the same. No change my Savior knows. And because there is no change in Him, no change in the salvation He has given to me, we will say, Lord, we love Him because He first loved us. Now, when the Apostle Paul expressed express this desire, that I may know Him, think about it because it came from the mouth of a man who had seen Christ in person on the Damascus Road. Paul received direct revelation from God in heaven. In fact, he was taken by vision up into heaven and saw things that it was not lawful, he said, to even communicate to others. They were not ready to receive it, yet he had been given such a high privilege and responsibility, a special calling. And his calling was to the Gentiles. And this man wrote 13 of the New Testament books under the inspiration of God. In other words, he was given a great responsibility and a mighty privilege, and yet all this, in all this, his earnest desire was that he might know his Lord more, that he might understand more of who Christ really was, of his person, that he might have a, a greater grasp of the work that Jesus came to do and fulfill for him. Oh, that I might know him. Paul wanted a deeper walk with Christ. Friend, is that not what you want? If you profess to know him? If you profess to know him, and that's of little interest to you, there's a a deeper problem here. Oh, friend, if you are a child of Christ, if you know Him, you want to know more of His beauty and majesty and holiness and glory, and you pray that the Lord will work out that in you day by day. Pray this prayer that the apostle did, O oh Lord, that I might know Christ that we will grow in grace, we will grow in our communion, our relationship with Him will deepen, and yes, we regret that it's oft times low, our love, our progress, oft times it's slow, it's not what it should be. And yet we pray with this great hope and truth, for the righteous will shine more and more unto that perfect day, the day of our graduation, the day when we'll be brought into glory and into home with Him. But how do we grow in communion with Christ? There are three simple things whereby we will grow. It is by and through the Scripture. 
where we will see Christ in His person and His work, and we will see Him better and better there. I say to you better than if you saw Him in person. You will see Him better through the Scripture. That's how God has intended for us to grow. We will will grow in our communion with the Savior through prayer. As we pray over the Word, as we pray upon the promises that He has given, and the Word of the Lord becomes more familiar to us, and we pray over it in our public praying, we will lay hold upon God. In our private praying, we will lay hold upon the Savior, and we will desire to know Him more. And friends, if you find weakness in your spiritual life, it will be because you've neglected the Word and you've neglected prayer. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to go through a day, a week, a month, and the world hasn't fallen out from underneath you yet, and we just keep going, maybe ignoring the Lord or His Word, and our hearts become hard and cold and distant, and we become full of worry and fear, and things that are small, relatively small, spiritually speaking, become monstrous things. Ah, friends, it is through the Scripture and through prayer and through the trials that God sends and the setbacks that happen to us. When we are pressed in a trial, when we are pressed to our limit, and we must depend on the Lord in ways we had not done before, or perhaps in ways we'd forgotten, and we maybe have gone through some setback where we have drifted away, fallen away, even in some besetting sin. Well, friend, if that's been the case, we must come, we must come back to the only place that we can be restored, and that will be on our knees, on our faces before the Lord in prayer. Yes, we will grow in the Lord by Scripture through prayer in the trials of life that the Lord superintends and allows to happen, and even through the times of our setbacks, tripping and falling. But God is merciful, and He will draw us back. Let us all then make this our prayer that communion with our Lord will intensify, not weaken, that He will enable us to be brighter lights for Him in a dark world, that He will equip us to fight the good fight of faith. And we will not turn back. We will not grow cold. And we will grow brighter and brighter for Him. The third thought this morning is this, that Christ's resurrection, this is our spiritual power. In verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. The power of His resurrection. The apostle argued in 1 Corinthians 15, he said that if Christ be not raised from the dead, we are most miserable. Why? Because we are yet in our sins. 
if the Lord Jesus remained in the tomb, then we will not live. We will not have eternal life. We are told that because Jesus Christ is alive, we live also in Him. Our eternal life is vitally, absolutely connected to the resurrected life of Christ from the dead. But there is more. You say, could there be more? Yes, there is more application to this. The resurrection of our Lord proves that He has power over death. And because our Lord Jesus is the firstborn, the first begotten from the dead, the first one to die, to rise from the dead, never to die again. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but Lazarus died even the second time. But not so with Christ. And all those who are truly born again, if you are regenerated and saved, we will rise from the dead and be united with our spiritual heavenly bodies to reside with God forever and forever. Yes, friends, the resurrection of Christ and the power of His resurrection is vital, but there is more. The spiritual power that is necessary to make progress in our life, for us to live victoriously in our Christian life, it flows from the risen Savior. Resurrection power is what Paul said was the motivating power that we need in our lives to live for God's glory. This spiritual power is often evident, friends, when the physical body is at its weakest point. And let's be reminded that spiritual power has nothing to do with physical power. Those who are often the weakest physically have been the strongest giants spiritually. Let us remember that. When we bow in prayer, when we commune with our Father while driving in the car, while we engage in the simplest task as a Christian for God's kingdom, we are using the power of Christ's resurrection in order to do that. In fact, we are completely powerless without Him and without that strength. We need help. It is the power to serve God in the pulpit. It's the power to serve God in the pew as you are listening to the Word of God and having it applied to your heart today. And as you are taking in His Word, you are being strengthened with spiritual meat and you'll be able to go out then to serve the Lord in the capacity that He gives you. Yes, we need it. I need it in the pulpit. You need it in the pew. We need it in private when no one is around us. Yeah, home alone. When you are home alone and no one else is there. You need the power of Christ to live so you'll not succumb to sin and fall to temptation. 
We need it in private, but we need it in public. When we are to bear a testimony before a critical and accusing world, it is power that cannot be replaced by any cheap imitations. Yes, there are many bogus attempts to mimic this power. Remember the prophets of Baal in Elijah's time? Mount Carmel? What did they do? They were crying to Baal. Oh, Baal, hear us. They were jumping. They were leaping. They were shouting. They were cutting. Blood was flowing. They were doing all that stuff. But they had false fire. There was nothing true about what they were doing because they were worshiping a false god. And the problem is that there are many scammers today that pretend to have the power of God, but they're more like spiritual duct cleaners. There's no reality to them. They're just scammers. Well, friend, we don't want to be taken in by any of this. And what we want from God, we need His genuine power to live for Him. And He has promised. He has promised to give it I give the Holy Spirit to everyone that asks. And so I ask you today, have you prayed for God to empower you as a Christian? Don't just imagine this will take place. Ah, oh, friends, you must pray it and pray it into your own, your own heart and life. Have you asked God to empower you with resurrection power to do His work? No matter what you're called to do for the Lord, we all need it for every day's life. We all need it, friends, to go on. Do not rest in your own ability. Don't trust in the power that someone else may have. Seek the Lord for yourself. Call upon Him in faith and trust that He will answer you for His glory. If the church today is weak, if the church today is lacking power to influence society, what are we to do? Well, we are to pray that our congregation, that we will know the power of God, the resurrection power of Christ, to be an effective witness. And that starts with all of us individually. And then corporately we come together and pray as a body, Lord, raise us up and use us to be an influence in society because we look around and society is mostly unmoved by the church today. Why? Because the church is weak, powerless, full of charlatans often, and those who are imposters. May God enable us to spread His Word personally and as a body. So we conclude today. And I leave these three simple things with you. The first one is this. To be in Christ, it means to be saved by God's grace. And I ask you this morning, are you saved? Have you been born again of God's Spirit? If you have any questions about that, I encourage you to remain after the service closes. I could speak with you, share with you from God's Word, but you don't need me. You need the Lord. 
And right where you are seated now, simply call out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. But also, to be in Christ is to have constant fellowship with Him, to be in communion with the Lord. It's to walk with Him day by day, to know His smile upon you, to know when the temptation comes, you have one on your side, to follow the captain of your salvation, to know that you are placed on the rock that is higher than yourself. And the last one is this. To be in Christ is to have the power of His resurrection. May God write His Word upon our hearts today and help us to grow in Him and in His grace. We're going to close our service by singing a hymn, number 690. 690. It's to the tune, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. 690, stand please as we sing. Let's close, please, in prayer. Our Father, we ask today that the word that we have read, that we have reviewed, the Holy Spirit would take it and write it upon all our hearts. I pray this morning for anyone here who is not saved, that, Lord, Your Spirit would speak to their heart and bring them 
to the Lord Jesus. And Father, for those of us who are in Christ, who know Him, write this truth upon our souls that we will grow daily and follow earnestly and walk circumspectly, and that, Lord, our lives will be a reflection of Christ and that we will become more like Him. So hear us today. Take us to our homes in safety. Bless us throughout the course of the Lord's day, of your day. Bring us back again to the house of prayer and worship tonight. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.